Tonight our lesson will be on um, <clears throat> the privilege of learning the word. The lesson big idea is because we have been called into covenant, we should exercise our privilege of reading and memorizing scripture. Scripture focus. Psalm 119 verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. So the lesson tonight is about the word. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Amen. Okay, tonight we're going to start off by... Um, looking at the high priest Hilkiah. Hilkiah. He was the high priest. And he was the high priest during the time of um, uh, Josiah, the king of Judah. But before we talk specifically about him, uh, there were two successive kings that reigned before Josiah. Those were Manasseh, and Ammon. They were wicked kings. Manasseh, he imitated the sins of both the Canaanites and the Israelites of, of the northern kingdom. When I say the Israelites here, I know you might know, but let me explain it. Um, there was one kingdom. Saul was the first king. Then you had David. Then Solomon. Solomon's son is Rehoboam. Rehoboam. Uh, at that point, the, king, the kingdom was divided because the sins of Solomon and Rehoboam. So the, king was div- the kingdom was divided. There was the northern kingdom, which had ten uh, tribes, and the southern kingdom, which was Judah and Benjamin. So... When you hear me refer to the northern kingdom, I'm talking about the ten tribes that separated themselves from the tribe of Judah. The, the, the kingdom of uh, Judah or the southern kingdom, which consisted of the Benjamites and um, Judah. So, <clears throat> the two kings that I'm talking about before, Manasseh and Ammon, they were wicked kings. Manasseh in particular, he ruled for 55 years and he did all the abomination of the the people that were in the land of Cana before. Um, he built high places, which his father Hezekiah had destroyed. He built altars for Baal. Baal is, you know, one of their gods that they worship, and made wooden images. As Ahab, Ahab was a wicked king of Israel. All the kings of Israel was wicked, but some of the kings in uh, Judah, they were good. So he made uh, wooden images as Ahab, the king of Israel, had done. He worshipped the host of heaven, the stars, the moon, you know. He practiced soothsaying, witchcraft, consulting spirits, all of those things he did. He was more wicked than the Amorites before him, and he also persecuted his own people. So, 
he had a dubious distinction of being wicked. His son, Manasseh, I mean Ammon, he came right after him. Surprisingly, Manasseh died of natural cause. And we can see that in 2 Kings 21, 1 to 18, and 2 Chronicles 11, 1 to 20, his son Ammon became king at age 22. His son followed right in his footsteps. His son was evil. He did everything after his father. The only good thing is he, he died after two years. They killed him. <clears throat> he reigned for two years before, before he was killed by his officers. We see that in 2 Kings 21, 19 to 26, and 2 Chronicles 33, 21 to 25. So, at this time, you know, you had 55, at least 50, uh, 57 years of wicked reign. So, Judah was in a state. <clears throat> they were in a bad state. And when Josiah became king, they were in a bad state. And he became king at a very early age. Most of the people at that time, they were idol worshippers. And had not worshipped the true and living God for years. Some had never seen or heard the word of God. They had no use for the word either because they worshipped idols and the host of heaven. And, you know, they worshipped anything. So they, they didn't really appreciate the word of God. They didn't see it. They, they didn't know anything about it, some of them. Josiah was only eight years old when he became king and surrounded himself with godly men. So this is what made a difference. He was the son of Ammon. <clears throat> but instead of walking in Ammon's ways, he surrounded himself with godly men and they taught him godly ways. And particularly the high priest Helkanah um, taught him all that he knew until he was mature enough to assume the throne. The king did not walk in the footstep of his father or grandfather. That's the two kings before him. He did all that was right in the sight of the Lord. He oversaw the destruction of the high places and idols. He gave instructions to have the temple restored to worship the true and living God. The high priest oversaw the cleansing of the temple and in the process he found the book of law that was lost for approximately 75 years. The priest at the time, he knew how valuable it was and took it to the king and they read the book aloud to the king. The king was shocked and tore his robe and cried before the Lord. Disbelief rumbled through the king's court some of the scribes cried out in disbelief and were afraid of what would happen to them now that they did not obey the covenant. So there was something in this book that those who knew about it, the scribes, the high priests, they were fearful. The king, he was fearful because they knew what was in the book. They just haven't seen it for a while. And here it just popped up back again. And coincidentally, you call it coincidentally if you want, but... Here is a king that is um, focused on restoration. And all of a sudden, the last book appeared. 
you know, they were able to find the last book. And it was lost in the temple. It is believed that the last law is the book of Deuteronomy and some of Exodus. The king was so focused on serving God that he sent the priests and scribes to seek out the prophetess Huldah because the people needed to hear from God. Then the Lord spoke through his prophetess and uh, in Chronicles, Second Chronicles 34, 22 to 28. Can someone find that for me, please? Second Chronicles 20 to, um, 34, 22 to 28. Yes, please. Amen. Thank you. So, there was pending disaster, destruction for the people of Judah because they gave themselves over to um, worshipping idols, doing all the things that the same book that they found um, commanded them not to do. So, in the book, it pronounced a blessing on them if they followed God's word. And it also pronounced a curse on them if they disobeyed. And they realized what was happening here now. So they, 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 they wanted someone from God, I mean a prophet, to tell them what was happening. And that's what was, was done there. But because the king... Because he took the word like that. He, he was responsive to the word. He was repentant. God um, stay his hand of judgment. So that the king would not experience it. He would not see it. 
him and the people that were there at that time, they would not see it. So, um, again, this is another example. I, I, I love to use the example of Nineveh. That is one where, you know, destruction was pronounced on Nineveh. Um, God was going to destroy Nineveh because they were, they were evil and because they repented. Now, in this case, he heard a word and he responded to the word. How many times have we heard a word and what have we done with it? We know it's the truth. We know it, it, it is pricking our hearts. And we, sometimes we respond to it, but according to the word, we should respond to it at all time because something happens when we respond to the word. Amen? Um, <clears throat> Deuteronomy 28. That whatever um, was written in the book, we're talking about Deuteronomy, and we are going to see it in Deuteronomy 28. Because the king's heart was responsive, and he, was, and he humbled himself before the Lord when they heard what was spoken against this place and its people. Um, he was spared the wrath of God. After hearing the word, King Josiah gathered the people of Judah to the temple and read the entire book of the covenant in their presence. He pledged to obey the commands, laws, and decrees with all his heart and soul. And all the people of Judah pledged themselves to the covenant with him. So, let me just uh, quickly take a look at Deuteronomy 28 here. The first verse says, And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commands, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord. And it continues in that way. But when you go all the way down to 15, it says, but it, sh but it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe, to do all the commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon you, shall come upon thee and overtake thee. And curse in the city and a lot of curse. So, when they heard this, it caused them to respond. And that's what the word of God should, should um, that the effect that it should have on us. We should respond positively to the word of God. The biblical story rekindles a deep appreciation for the written word of God. The scripture we read today is both the Old Testament and the New Testament, which is another word for covenant. Hilka found the lost book and was in awe. He took it to the king and he was astonished and told them to read it aloud. When they read it and all heard what was being said, they were afraid because they reverenced the book and they knew the word are true. They reverenced the word 
the reverence to the word save them from God's wrath. Let me ask this. You don't have to answer. It's a thought-provoking um, question. Do we hold the same reverence for the word as the people did during the time of King Josiah? They heard the word and knew it was true. And they, they, they did something. Do we refer, reverence the word the same way that they did? It is one thing to be unfamiliar and do not own a Bible. But it's another thing when you have a self, self filled with Bible, a shelf filled with Bible material. Never before have you had more access to the Word of God than we do in the information age. Therefore, let us rediscover the privilege of reading and memorizing Scripture, the Word of God, and the Book of the Covenant. Covenant relationship underscores God's desire to be close to us. He draws close to us when the word becomes flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we see that in John chapter 1 verse 14. By his spirit he is also not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Acts 17, 27 to 28. But have you ever considered this? God has drawn close to us through his written word. Paul used vivid imagery when describing the scripture to Timothy. All scripture is God's breath. 2 Timothy 3.16 His word is breath. How much closer could you get? The imagery Reminds us of the creation account in Genesis when God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed, his <clears throat> and breathed into his nostril the breath of life. Genesis 2.7 To create humanity, God was personal. He came close and breathed life into us. Today, he comes close and breathed life into us through his written word. 2 Timothy 3.16 all scripture, the Old and the New Testament, is inspired by God. God's breathe out. I looked up inspired there and, it, and you know, one of the meaning, breathe out. <laughs> the Greek word used for inspiration is today's, in today's verse is theoponos. Um, I think I got that right. <laughs> This word literally means God's breath. The point here is, men do great work from time to time, and we wonder where the inspiration comes from. Is this design flawless? Was it made without error? Sometimes you, um, you, you go places and you see some nice building, some you know, architecture is real, real good. Sometimes you wonder things like that. This is different from God's inspiration. Scriptures are not words or thoughts made by man but approved by, by God. We are reading the words that was breathed out from God into the minds of his chosen people. So our inspiration is different from God's inspiration. 
Second Peter 1, 20 to 21. You can find that there. When Moses had finished writing the words of the law and had given it to the Levites to place beside the ark and had sung his song, he told the people, Take heart all the words by which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of the law, for it is not empty words for you, but your life. So the words here is a matter of life and death. Christ reveals himself to us in many different ways, but the primary way is through the written word of God. No dream or vision should contradict the word, or it is not from God. One way to grow closer to God is by reading your Bible until you are comfortable with it. The more you read is the more you know Christ, know about Christ, and the closer you get to him. Job 22, 21 to 22. Submit to God and be at peace with him. In this way, prosperity will come, upon, come to you. Accept instruction from his mouth and lay up his word in your heart. That's Job 22, 21 to 22. Through scripture, God has used the most historically reliable medium to communicate his love and covenant with humanity. The sign of a healthy relationship, however, is when we are made better by that relationship. How much more should this be the case in covenant relationship with our Heavenly Father and his word? We should expect the spirit to challenge our assumptions about life. As a matter of fact, Timothy Keller takes it a step further. If you don't trust the Bible enough to let it challenge and correct your thinking, how could you ever have a personal relationship with God? The reason for God's belief in an age of skepticism. If we are simply, if we are simply a parroting back the word, what we desire in life, then we are not being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Furthermore, when we eliminate anything from the Bible that offends our sensitivity or crosses our will, then we essentially have a God of our own making. So, and the Bible tells you, you can't add or remove anything. And there's a punishment for that. On the other hand, when we embrace the word as the book of life, we not only find clarity of direction in this life, but also for the life to come. John 17.3 The Bible gives us an eternal perspective on our temporary existence about God, human, sin, human nature, sin, salvation, judgment, and eternity. Uh, Thessalonians 2.3 For this cause we also thank God without ceasing that when you receive from us the word of the message of God you accepted it not as, uh, not as the word of men 
but as it is the truth, the word of God, which also works in you who believe. Paul was expressing his thanks to God that when the Thessalonian Christians received the word, they accepted it as the word from God and allowed it to change their life. They did not accept it as word from men, but the truth from God. Um, sometimes we, we, we come to church, we hear the word, and we, we get complacent, you know, and we have to guard against that because if we get complacent, the word will just be like a, a storybook. The, the word will just be like, you know, just um, motivational speak, speech. We have to be we have to be more in tune to God. So when we hear the word, just as Josiah, the word um, caused an action. He heard it and it, it pricked his heart. That's what we should allow the word to do to us each time. We tend to look at the word from the Bible as holy, but from a book that we can read, a little more important than a great novel. However, we should approach the word of God as how the high priest received it. King Josiah, the scribe, and the people of Judah. The word was precious to them because they started to act on the word immediately. God spared them the judgment that was imminent. In 1 Samuel 3, 1-7, the word was precious in those days. The word was precious in those days. How about today? Is the word precious to us today? Amen. (laughs) Why isn't the word precious today as it was in those days? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, if it was precious in the day of Samuel, then, you know, we should have the same desire to hear the word and to act on it and to, you know, be obedient to the word today as, you know, When the enemy tempted Christ to turn stone into bread, his rebuttal was clear. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded from the mouth of God. We see that in Matthew 4.4. 4. If we are to be sustained along the way, it will be by the word. No spiritual disciple is more... No spiritual discipline is more important than the intake of God's word. Nothing can substitute for it. There simply is no healthy Christian life apart from a diet of milk and meat of spirit. It is important to read the word of God and hide it in your heart that you might not sin against God. Joshua 1.8 This book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. You have to read it. You have to meditate on it, understand it, and hide it in your heart. It's not every time, 
everywhere you are, you're going to have a Bible to reference. And, and sometimes you don't even know where to go to get that particular scripture. So if you memorize, you have to memorize some scripture. Keep it in your heart. That's what's going to keep you from the hour, during the hour of temptation. You know what, I, I'm telling you from personal experience. When I used to go out on the evangelism with Pastor White, um, there was always a, a class before. And we went over, not a lot of scripture, but some focus on some scripture that, we will, that, that points out evangelism and that we will use. And I wrote them in the back of my Bible. So... I saw them often. You know, it's a big Bible. You're not going to find some, <laughs> everything that you want. So I wrote some things in the back of the Bible because these things are, everything is important, but on the battlefield, so to speak, you're going to use these more often than others. So one, by using it more often, it is committed to memory. And you don't have to, you know, try to memorize a, a, a big thing. And what what helped me a lot of time, if the preacher is bringing out a point, if he is making a point about something, and I get that point, the scripture that he uses, as I say, I write it down, and it always comes back to, to memory, even part of it, until I get the full, you know, the full scripture. But another way is to, you know, read it and... Just focus on one scripture for a while until, you know, you remember most of it and you can move on, you know, focus on, on two, you know. But another thing for me, I always go over back some scriptures that I have, in, you know, just look back over them to re-familiarize myself with it. That's, that's how I committed to memory. Um, I like to read Samuel. <laughs> I like to read um, first. And, uh, I like to read Kings and Samuel because it it tells me a lot about the history and the movement of the um, the Jews during that time, the, the, the Israelites during that time. It tells me a lot, and I particularly like a lot of things that David did, you know, because. Sometimes if you look at some of the other um, um, notable men in the Bible, if you don't follow everything and you just focus on the good and the powerful things they do, you think they are out of your reach. You, you know, you, you, you tend to believe they are not the same like you. They were, they were made more powerful than you, if, if, if this explains it. But 
when I look at David, for example, um, there's a time when David was running from Saul. And David was way in the way out in the I don't know the, the, the woods, and um, his second wife, Abigail. Um, he was where he and his men were. They they were watching uh, Nabal's sheep, Nabal's um, the animals that he had, and he they were protecting them from. The, the wild animal. So after a while, David and his men, they were hungry. So they sent to him and asked him, you know, can you give us a couple of them? We were protecting them and so on. But instead of him being appreciative, he was, he was upset. And he sent back something to them, to the, you know, telling them, look, you're running from Saul. Basically, I should call Saul and tell him that you're hiding here. Uh, I'm not giving you none of my animals, right? David was about to commit murder because he gathered up his men and jumped on his, his horse and was about to ride in there and he said what he was going to do. So to me, um, I can see that play out, you know, a lot of times. You do something good for somebody and then they, they, um, you know, they don't respond the whole you want them to respond. So you feel like you're going to take revenge. And he would be wrong. But Abigail now came quickly on a donkey with some food and, you know, humbled herself and talked to David. That is what caused him not to go there and get himself in trouble, kill, you know, and then he would have to answer to God again. So I use that just to tell you that um, when I read the Bible, I like to read about the people who were like ordinary people that God raised up, you know, so you can see that he can raise you up too. You just have to be humble. You just have to be dedicated. Amen. Um, where was I now? <laughs> Deuteronomy eleven eighteen to 23, we shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. This is, this is one of the uh, commandments that God gave to the, the, the Israelites, you know, just so that they should remember his word. Um, I don't know the full thing, but Orthodox Jews, you're going into their house, you're going to see this um, little box with, with um, the mezuzah. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Yep. Okay. It's not just uh, Deuteronomy six four. Okay. Actually, um, it's in Hebrew, so I can't tell you, but the older ones have actually have a, sc- a scroll. A scroll. Okay. Scroll. 
Bring it, let us eat. <laughs> we may miss a meal while dieting or while fasting, but few of us would accidentally miss a meal, much less a whole week of meal. Yet, some attempt to go days and even weeks without reading the scripture. <laughs> to long-term effect of a life without the long-term of effect without. The word is an anemic Christian with little chance of survival. On the other hand, when the word is appreciated and valued as nourishment for the soul, there is an eagerness to seek the word daily because we realize it is sustaining us and drawing us closer to God. To have the mind of God, we must place a priority in reading the word. Jesus often challenged the assumption of people who thought they knew about God with this question. Have you not read? The truth is, whether we realize it or not, we are all theologians. When you go down the street and you start, um, you're witnessing to someone. You are the theologians now. You, you, you become the theologian. The difference is, are you a good theologian or one who don't study, don't, you know, read the word? To be Christian at all, it is to be a theologian. There are no exceptions. The question is whether we will be a good theologian or a poor one. Reading the word of God enables us to know and thereby live according to the will of God accurately. First, read it. These statistics are startling. USA Today reported a poll showing only 11% of Americans read the Bible every day. More than half read it less than once a month or never at all. Worst of all, 23%, almost one in four professing Christian say they never read the word of God. <laughs> yeah, so that's they're professing it but they're not doing the right thing. Even a verse a day which would take less than a minute is better than not reading it at all. Once the daily once the daily reading habit is developed it becomes easier and easier to spend more time in the Word. And we have hmm? yeah, Amen. We have to do that. We have to do that to, to commit things to memory, to, to know what we should say. You know, I find that when you um, memorize a scripture, it makes you get bolder. It makes you get more authoritative. Second, choose a reading plan that works. Pentecostal Publishing House offer a bread Bible that guides the reader through the, the Bible in one year. If that is too daunting of a challenge, try reading through the Bible over the course of two or three years. General Youth Division partnered with World of Flame Press to produce Devote 365. 
and engaging daily devotional for students. The Bible app offered by Life.Church is a free source that comes with multiple versions, a variety of reading plans, and a free audio Bible. So whether it is a plan to read through the Bible in a year or two, daily devotionals, a Bible app plan, or listening to an audio Bible on the way to work, find a plan that works and stick to it. Most of all, allow God to speak to you through the time in the Word. Remember, the ultimate goal of reading is not to accomplish the task of reading, but to allow Jesus Christ to speak to you. In fact, it is often better to focus on shorter passage of scripture for a day or even a week so it can sink into your spirit and bring about true life change. Consider the food we eat for nourishment. It has to be chewed properly, digested, then it gets assimilated into our cells before we finally get the nutrients from it. This is the same process with spiritual food. You must read the scripture constantly. Take time to reflect on what you have read. Use other versions of the Bible or Bible dictionary to break down what you have read so you can understand it clearly. Remember, it is not how quickly you can read, but how much you can connect with God through his word. To have the mind of God, we must place a priority on studying the word. Reading gives us breath, but study gives us depth. Studying scripture is delighting in the word and planting our lives deeply in the will of God so that whatever we do will prosper. We experience the healthy benefits of fruitful life when we study the scripture. When we study God's word, we are like a tree, carefully cultivated with all the proper nutrients to grow and produce fruits to its fullest potential. Whatsoever we do shall prosper. Studying the word is not just for a select few members of of the church. Studying is for all believers. In the Acts narrative, for example, believers in Bera, B-E-R-E-A, Berea, examine the scripture every day to see if what Paul said was true. We see that in Acts 17.11. These believers had the practice of studying scriptures and were able to confirm Paul's message as a result. They left an inspiring example for us. The people of Berea received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scripture daily. Just imagine sometimes um, we, we, we just listen to the preacher. We are assuming that the preacher is preaching the, the, the word, the truth which most time, it is the truth. But have you ever gotten up some, sometime early and you see one of those um, programs on where they, they're asking for, if you drop a $1,000, they'll send 
you, you, you know, you know <laughs> some of those things. And I'm sure if you listen to that, that cannot be, they, 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 they cannot find any scripture to really back that up properly. Because nowhere in the Bible you see, um, uh, say that again? <laughs> so, you know, we, we have to, it's not that we, ju- we don't trust the pastor, it's not that we don't trust who is preaching, but we have to follow these examples and read it for ourselves too. You know, so you hear it from the pastor and you read it, you commit it to memory more. There are ample resources for studying scripture provided at, here is one website, www.pentecostalpublishing.com. So that's somewhere you can take a look and see what you like. Weekly Sunday school lessons and Bible studies are also an optimal opportunity to go deeper into the word. Consider taking notes during lessons and studying them throughout the week. Another resource for advanced guided study provided by the UPCI is ministrycentral.com. The lack of study is not a lack of intelligence or a lack of passion. Here's another question. How do you think reading and studying the word enhance your relationship with God? How do you think reading and studying the word enhance your relationship with God? I don't need an answer right now. I just just a thought-provoking question. To have the Say that again, brother. John 1 1 In the beginning was the word. God is the word. To have the heart of God, we must place a priority on memorizing the word. The heart of God is for his will to be imprinted in our hearts. But the Holy Spirit also witnessed to us. For after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, said the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds. I will write them. Hebrew 10:15 to 16. The best means of initializing our love, internalizing our love for the scripture is through memorization. Memorizing scripture fixes our mind on the heart of God through the day and make his word readily available when we are tempted to contradict his will. So when we commit that word by memorizing it, it says here, um, when we are tempted, it's readily available. So we, we can resist temptation. Jesus Christ internalized the word of the psalmist a psalm dedicated to the celebration of God's status. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's Psalm 119, 11. 
When he faced temptation in Matthew Gospel, each time he responded with, It is written. Indeed, we memorize scripture so that it is available for the Holy Ghost, for the Holy Spirit to take and ignite within us when it's needed. Memorizing scripture helps, helps to strengthen your prayer life. Sometimes you hear prayer going on and a lot of scripture um, verse is, is being used. Like Psalm 51. That's a prayer that David prayed when he sinned. You know, that's his repentant prayer. Psalm 51. Another scripture. Whenever you witness to someone, you become sharper and more confident. When you have a, a, a lot of word, um, it's not that you, you, you become arrogant. But, you know, if you memorize some scripture, or for me, I have those scripture at the back of my, <laughs> at the back of my Bible, right? And as soon as, you know, the need, I have the need. Then I flip around there and I, I remember which one it is that I want and I just, I just bring it back up. Or you know where to go for it. Like I'm talking to someone now, for example, and, and you want to show them in the Bible where it's one God. The book of Isaiah. You find Isaiah saying, if there is another God, I know not of him. I created the heaven all by myself. Book of Isaiah. You know, so that, that's another way for me. I know where some things are. I might not know exactly, but I know where to find it. And I, I, I highlight it. So as soon as I come upon that, you know, I know it's something that I had marked for a purpose. Ultimately, your faith becomes stronger. So when you memorize scripture... These are some of the things that happen. It, you know, it makes you more confident and you, your faith becomes stronger. Joshua 1.8 His book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate thereon. I read this already, but this is, um, this is appropriate for here. Now let us consider a few effects, effective means of memorizing scripture. Repetition is key. So that is one effective means. You have to read it over and over again. You have to you know, read it until you, you can memorize it. What I used to do, one time when I used to work, like one hour from where I live, I used to have some... Um, some some tapes and when I'm I used to listen to tape going to work and listen to tape coming from work because that's one hour one hour each way it gave me time and every day I would play it a productive way to begin is to focus on a verse a day or even a verse a week start by writing out the verse and then expand the the memorization to include the context of the verse. Songs also provide an effective mean of memorization. So here we are, you know, songs, um, 
repetition, writing it out. Sometimes, well, for me, if, if, if I read something, and I hear the pastor say it a lot of times, if I read, I'll memorize some. But if I write it, I'll remember more. Find a partner to join the journey with you so you can keep one another accountable. For the more ambitious, consider leading or joining the Bible quizzing program at your local assembly. Attending one Bible quizzing tournament will be both inspiring and convicting. We are capable of much more memorization than we realize. Sometimes you have to challenge yourself. To have the heart of God, we must place a priority on living the word. The fruit of reading, studying, and memorizing the scripture is a life that exhibits the love of God. He will and his kingdom in the world. The Apostle Paul referred to the life of the Corinthians as open letters known and read by everyone as confirmation of his ministry among them. 2 Corinthians 3.2 Living out the scripture is the ultimate way to reveal our love for Christ and the depth of our relationship with him. So, when you, you know, not just reading and hearing, but your life should be a living epistle. You should, someone should be able to see you and, and the life you live and know that something is different without you even going up to them and you know announcing anything that you're a Christian they should be able to see something about you and know that there is something different as our minds are transformed by the word so are our hearts our fundamental belief our relationship with Jesus Christ and the book of covenant change us from the inside out and we begin to reflect the values of the kingdom in our world as living witness of the gospel. When we live the word, we are then given the opportunity to impart life and hope to others. So, when you live the word, <coughs> you, are, you are the lighthouse for somebody else. You know, um, people watch you even though you don't know it. And if you say you're a Christian or they happen to know that you go to church, they might not say anything to you, but they watch you. You know when you're going to know? If you slip up, if you do anything that you shouldn't be doing. You know, or another time there might be a situation that they can't handle and they come to you. They need for you to um, give them some godly advice. Tell them something about the Bible. I remember I was working this place on um, 9-11. You know, before, before that, everybody did their own thing. 9-11. It was uncommon. The, uh, I don't know, the president, whoever it was at... Uh, at, at what's name of, Prudential said you know every office 
pray to whoever you believe in. You know, I'm giving you, I think it's like half an hour. So, I mean, I didn't announce anything in the office, but, you know, they came to me and said, can all of us pray together? Can you, can you lead a prayer? I remember that. But before that, everybody would tell you, you know, oh, I don't believe in this, I don't do this, I don't do that. And when that happened, they come to who they, they think. They, they, they see, they watch you and they see what you're doing and then they, they'll come to you based on that. Uh, when we live the word, we are then given the opportunity to impart life and hope to others. From beginning to end and even after the end, it is all about the word. Since you have purified your soul in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the field. The grass wither and the flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. That's First Peter one twenty two to twenty five and finally Deuteronomy twenty nine nine. So keep the words of this covenant to do them that you may prosper in all that you do. Amen. Any questions? What's the length of time? I know you're an avid studier, avid reader. Wow. I know that. But what's the length of time that you generally um, study or read? And then what's the best time you find that's a good time to read and or study? One thing, (laughs) I don't have a what you call it now, a good attention span. So I'll read for about 40 minutes. Then I have to get up and... and (laughs) No, well, well, first of all, I I cannot read or study when, you know, anything else is going on. So I normally sleep, and then I wake up when everybody is is asleep. That's the time I, I study. So that time I should be able to just go through... Just just keep doing it for, for hours if I have the time. But no, I'm telling you, I have to break it down. Because after I do it for a little while, I just, you know, I just need to get up, walk, walk around, and then come back for like five minutes or something. But just break up the, um, the, the continuity, you know, and then come back and I'm fresh again. But I do it in the night. <laughs> That's me. I, I get distracted easily when I'm when I when I'm um, studying like that. So that's for me. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ.